The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk all about a little molecule called gluten. Apparently we're supposed to avoid it. I'm not even really sure what it is. Hmm. How's that for avoidance? (laughs) The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Happy birthday to you, Michael oh, Chapman. Oh, God. Seriously, you're <laughs> going to do big that one. on the podcast? Listen, 50's a big birthday. I know, I know. <laughs> Can't wait to get my midlife crisis car. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Michael Chapman. How pa- are you today? I'm great. How are you, Patty Devers? Thank you for joining Crushing us. It. Oh, thank you. You mean me? Yes. Oh, yeah. you're welcome. You and everyone else. <laughs> everyone here to listen to us on The Lab Report, a podcast brought to you by Geneva Diagnostics. It's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrated therapeutics, and the like. And thank you to everyone who keeps tuning in. We're so grateful to you. Hopefully you would have gone to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to the show, maybe rate, review, share with your friends. You know what else, Michael Chapman? What's that? We have a lot of listeners who actually tag us on social media after listening to the podcast. It's amazing. Shout out to Jonathan Zaza. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Buddy. Love that. He's my buddy. Love that. And as always, if you have feedback, you can send it to podcast at gdx.net. Send us your questions. We'll answer them. <laughs> we'll try anyway. Or you could just send... Maybe even on the air. Right. We can send... Or you can send a birthday wish to Michael Chapman. But... If you, if you have a question you want us to get to next podcast, Whoa. you should send it to that email Whoa. address. Whoa. Okay. Well, okay. We, will, we will do it. Well, what Unless would... it's inappropriate, in what? which we'll consider doing it. Well, first, let me clarify that it is not Michael's 50th birthday. He's remarkably younger than that, though... What would be your midlife crisis car, do you think? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is like one of those old school military uh, motorcycles with a sidecar. What? Driving around. <laughs> I don't know who or what would be in the sidecar. Maybe just my groceries. I don't know. But, All of your candy corn. And I got to wear like one of those bomber helmets. That's you know, awesome. The eyeglasses. I smell a Christmas gift. How about you? What would be your midlife crisis car? I feel I like you're have, driving I already have my car. midlife crisis car. <laughs> 370Z. Anyway, what are we talking about? Well, we mentioned in the opener that we're going to talk about gluten. And you know, it's funny because everything is gluten-free these days. Not only is it pumpkin spiced, it's also gluten-free. Everything and everyone. That's right. Yeah. Especially here in Asheville. No kidding. And the question then is, what in the world is gluten and why should we be avoiding it? We all know Is all this necessary? Yeah, right. Right. We know it as it relates to celiac disease, but why is everyone else gluten-free if they don't have celiac disease? And what is gluten, furthermore? This is the crazy thing if we want to start right there because... When we actually think about gluten, right, Uh it's not just one thing. Oh. It's multiple things. Correct. Right? So we think of it as like this... This really disastrous molecule, mm-hmm. um, but it's 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 a family of molecules. Yep. It's not just one thing. Which it's a mixture it's, of many. We start with confusion right out of the gate. <laughs> it's, it's a complex mixture of many related molecules and proteins that we collectively call gluten because it's kind of the glue that holds food together. So we shouldn't even be calling... I mean, that's a qualitative word, right? That's fair. It's, such, it's like saying that it's glutinous, and so... Because we didn't want to name all the different things, it would take too long. We would just right. say, oh, it's gluten. <laughs> so maybe we should start with 
Now we know gluten is not just one thing. It's a whole family of different things. What are the foods that these different things might be in? Does it matter? Should we list out some of the actual things that make up gluten? Does that? We should. Because it's never, you're not going to see it on an ingredient label. That's right. That's right. What you're going to see are things like anytime you're looking at wheat grains or wheat flour or barley or rye or oats. But more specifically, we think about the components of those things, which are usually gliadin and glutenin. Wait a minute. So glutenin is a form of gluten? It's one of the compl- part of the complex mixture of proteins. So there's like gliadin, there's glutenin, there's saccalin, there's hordein. There's lots of different protein molecules that make up gluten. All right. So what is it about gluten? Why why is this such a problem? I mean, we have been eating wheat as a plant for eon. The Egyptians were baking bread. So what? I don't understand. What's what's the problem with gluten? Were the Egyptians baking bread? Yes. Oh, well, the gluten molecule itself has. A lot. It contains a large amount of these two specific amino acids, namely glutamine and proline. And when they're bonded together in that specific structure, it makes them resistant to protease or peptidase enzymes that would result in incomplete digestion. Wait a minute. Well, that's interesting because incomplete digestion is certainly a problem in a lot of different scenarios. But here we're talking about incomplete digestion as it might relate to uh, the immunogenic properties of gluten, which is fascinating. Right, right. And actually, some of your commensal bacteria in your large intestine can break it down, but most of it just gets excreted without any problems. Well, that's great news. I'll commence my bagel eating. <laughs> no, where's the problem start then? What? What? Uh, how will we get from something that is mostly broken down, mostly not broken down, transient, goes through your GI tract, causing no problems, to we need to avoid it at all costs? Well, some of it does get through the lining of the epithelium. Remember, like gliadin can signal zonulin to be released, and we know what zonulin is. Oh, yeah, we know what zonulin is, thanks to Alessio Fasano mm-hmm. and all of his great work. Uh, so zonulin is a molecule that is released in the uh, intestinal epithelial layer, and that is facilitates the opening of tight junctions. And so when we think about the entire concept of leaky gut intestinal permeability, uh, it's all facilitated by these, um, these junctions, right? And so with excessive zonulin secretion, you're going to have more and more opening of tight junctions, which ultimately makes the membrane more permeable. Um, and so that's something that gliadin does just by being gliadin has nothing to do with, uh, you know, your immune system, activation, any of that. It's actually just eating gluten and gliadin can stimulate the release of zonulin, thereby contributing to intestinal permeability, albeit uh, it's transient Mm -hmm. in the GI tract Mm -hmm. after eating gliadin. But if you eat it all the time, like many of us do, uh, then that can certainly contribute to longstanding intestinal permeability. And we know those tight junctions, they are dynamic, like you said, and the permeability of your gut is physiologic. It's good. But in this case, to your point, if it's a prolonged stimulation of zonulin and you're increasing that intestinal permeability, what happens now is that gliadin or these gluten molecules enter your systemic circulation and it's your body's way of saying friend or foe, right? So it stimulates the gut-associated lymphoid tissue in your immune system to, tr- to try to react Right. Let me ask this question because I've heard this a lot of places and it might, this might be a, a great time to clarify. Um, there is a rumor out there. Hmm. There's a piece of information that floats around. I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> and it goes something like this. By the way that modern convention has harvested, grown, selected mm-hmm. for 
the different grains like wheat, uh, we've actually selected for uh, grains that have more gluten content than what is ancestral wheat or other grains, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I've actually heard Dr. Alessio Fasano talk about that because he is Italian, if I may just say. And I've heard him talk about how bread and how it's produced in Italy is different than it is here by allowing the yeast to ferment for longer periods of time, it decreases the reactivity of gluten to the immune system. But here in the United States, we're fairly impatient. Right. It's funny because we think about the microbiome acting on different fibers in your GI tract. Fermentation occurs and things like that. When it comes to yeast, right now we're all using sort of like quick starter, like ready in five (laughs) minutes, your bread is proved. (laughs) And so like historically this fermentation process happened 24 hours or longer. Right. Um, and so most of the bread that we're talking about is more aligned with sourdough type bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and the longer that that yeast acts on the different grains, uh, it breaks down the gluten. And so there's actually less gluten content to the finished product. Well, and speaking of finished product, I mean, what? I think we should at least say that because bread has been part of our food supply, our food sources for so long in human history, mm-hmm. um, the finished product is is pretty great, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> in all its forms. And it makes me think, I mean, you eat bread, right? No, I do not. I don't, you don't eat I bread? I don't eat bread. When did you start not eating bread? A couple of years ago. I don't. I, I try not to eat a lot of carbs, but I don't eat bread. Oh, well, that's a shame. I was going to see if how well you know bread and different hmm. types of bread. Oh, so. I, make no mistake. I absolutely love bread, and I miss it every single day. I see. So I still may be considered a bread expert. Well, that's interesting because I was just wondering, if I go through a list of breads, Uh if I just try to describe the bread, do you think you could name it? Oh, here we go with another game that's always going to end poorly for me. We're talking about bread. I mean, (laughs) you you know you want to play. I I guess I'll try. Name that bread. All right. Easy on the buzzer this time. It's been a while since you've been in the hot seat. Don't burn the buzzer. Let's get that clock running. Here we go. Let's test out the buzzer. There it is. Okay. So here's how this is going to work. I'm basically just going to try and describe the bread. So this is probably more about how terrible I am at describing things. But do I get a buzzer? (laughs) No. Uh, we're going to start with this one, all right? All right. This uh, bread originates from France. <laughs> wow. Not offensive. And uh, I tend to think of this as this long type of bread that is sometimes used for sandwiches. I mean, personally, in our house, we use it for spaghetti. Baguette. All right. Well done. So the next bread hails from uh, hails from Italy, actually. It's an mm-hmm. Italian word for slipper. And oh. it's you, you know it already? I do. Okay. Go for it. Ciabatta. Wow. <laughs> Holy moly. You do know your bread. I I'm going to have to up my game here. <laughs> All right. So you watched that Irish guy on YouTube. I'm talking what about Irish an guy? Irish bread. It's pretty dense. Generally, not a big fan, Ugh. personally. I mean, that's not I know. very descriptive. But uh, it's not. It's a dense Irish bread. But it's, it's gross. It. Soda bread? That's right. I'm not even sure why it's called soda bread. I mean, is there soda in it? I don't know. I don't need it. Um, so the next <laughs> one is another French bread, and it's a okay. little bit on the sweeter side, and it's kind of like lumpy on the top. Um, kind of, it's got like kind of lumpy humps and rolls. on the top. Yeah, um, and it's used for sandwiches, things like that. Again, sweeter. French. Oh, French toast. Wow, use that for for uh, sandwiches, <laughs> eh? All right. Delicious. No. Delicious. No, I was looking for brioche there. Oh, little um, lumpy brioche. <laughs> so last one right. is, uh, you know, you can use this. Uh, you can put, you can stuff it. 
right? So you can put different foods Stuff inside it. of it. Yes. Oh, I and think I got this com- one. Comes from Mediterranean mm-hmm. area. Pita. Nope, that is incorrect. Uh, the correct answer is actually the best bread on the planet, <laughs> which is Gozleme. What in the world is Gozleme? It's a Turkish stuffed bread, and it's the best on the planet. Did you just make that up? Nope. But you did pretty good. Uh, you do know your breads. Um, thank you for playing. <laughs> thank you. Well, it makes no matter because all of those things contain gluten, and apparently I am Oof. not supposed to be eating gluten, Michael. Yikes. I'm feeling leaky just playing that game. <laughs> um, so... Maybe I'm gluten sensitive. So that makes me think mm-hmm. when we're talking about gluten and trying to avoid it, okay. there are two big categories that I think of. I don't know if you're like me, um, at least in this instance, uh, but I think of gluten sensitivity and then I think of celiac disease. And I think this is probably from a clinical perspective and certain and uh, a layperson perspective. This is very important to understand the differences between these two things. So I don't know. How would you explain this to uh, a patient? Well, just important to note that in functional medicine, as clinicians, they started to collectively call these things wheat-related disorders to kind of make all of these distinctions, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, wheat allergy, wheat sensitivity, and then celiac disease. But in general, most lay people just make the distinction between celiac disease and gluten sensitivity. And when we think about celiac disease, it's actually when you eat gluten, your body forms autoantibodies against that specific gluten, which then kicks off this whole inflammatory cascade causing villous atrophy within your small intestine. You say the word autoantibody. Can you explain that? Because I'm sure there might be some people out there who don't know what... I mean, an antibody is one thing. Now we're Mm -hmm. talking about autoantibodies? What are we talking about? In essence, our immune system targets itself. Ah, right. So you have these... Antibodies are typically used by the immune system to essentially alert, capture, identify, tag things that are foreign. Mm -hmm. So the immune system, right, its main jobs is one of it is to identify self versus non-self. And so when we're talking about antibodies, it's usually supposed to be directed at non-self. But occasionally we have some issues. And in the case of celiac, it's a little bit of a genetic component where we have a tendency to label self as um, something foreign. And so we develop these antibodies against ourself. That's why they're called autoantibody, and hence autoimmune comes from essentially immune system reacting to self. So that's the, uh, the backstory there. Yeah, and celiac is an autoimmune disease. And like I said, over time, that cascade of inflammation will cause villous atrophy within the small intestine. But... And just right there, so villous atrophy is essentially... Uh, what we refer to as celiac sprue, interestingly, but villus atrophy. So the villi in your GI tract, they're sort of like these, uh, you know, finger like pouches. Yeah, yeah. Fing- thank you. Um, and so those get blunted because of the inflammation, because of the autoimmune attack. Uh, they get flattened where they should be kind of like hills and humps. Uh, they get they get blunted, and that's where we get the term celiac sprue or villus atrophy in this case. Right, but celiac is different than non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Yeah, so if I think about non-celiac gluten sensitivity, it's not autoimmune. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not actually doing any type of uh, antibody-type destruction of our own tissue. Um, and actually, when I really think about it, you know, I am assuming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that some of the, the pathophysiology around it is unknown. Um Right, so we don't we we don't think it's autoimmune in nature. It could be immune mediated, 
So you might see immune disturbances, whether that's from the standpoint of uh, an IgG reaction, uh, delayed type hypersensitivity IgG reaction, um, not IgE related because that would be more like a gluten allergy, which this non-celiac gluten sensitivity is different. It's not an allergy. Um, so, but you might see some other alterations. So for example, lymphocytic uh, infiltration of the mucosa uh, or the along the GI lining, that might be one thing that you notice from a histology perspective. But I don't think we fully have elucidated all the things um, that that cause non-celiac gluten sensitivity. It's more of a conglomeration of symptoms uh, as it relates to people developing symptoms after eating gluten, correct? Correct. And in fact, some people are saying that even some of the symptoms associated with gluten sensitivity may be more kind of an IBS type picture related to some of the FODMAPs that are in the foods that contain gluten. Ah, so if I'm hearing that correctly, I mean, you're, are you're, sounded like you're kind of saying there may in fact be other variables mm-hmm. at play too, not yep, perhaps right. just the gluten. There might, we might be confusing things or there might be multiple layers of uh, reactions going on based mm-hmm. on the types of foods that are oftentimes uh, that gluten is going to be a part of as correct, well. Correct. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so we've talked about gluten why it's difficult for us to digest it, what are some of the reactions that happen within our immune system to gluten in our foods, which then leads me to how do we avoid gluten? You know, we say avoid gluten, but we already said this is a a complex mixture of various proteins. If I'm in the grocery store, what am I looking for? You're not going to avoid it. You're breathing it in. (laughs) It is floating around in the air, especially (laughs) in the grocery store. You have to stay away from grocery (laughs) stores. That's just, you're never going to get out alive. Well, let's get specific and practical for people. Well, I would say first and foremost, we need to avoid consumption of foods that have gluten in it. And so there's the obvious ones. The most obvious one, right, is wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly if you're looking at other f- foods that are not raw in nature, then you need to be looking at the ingredient list to identify things like wheat or wheat gluten. Uh, and there are also lots of ways that that can be hidden. What are the other grains, gluten-containing grains? Other things are rye, barley, triticale, and I think there are some grains that don't contain gluten, things like quinoa and brown rice. Buckwheat. Right. Wild rice, sorghum, tapioca, millet, teff, arrowroot, oats, etc. Which is why you might hear a lot of those ingredients being used in gluten-free doughs. Mm-hmm. Tapioca is super popular. Right, right. Um, and so those are the, the foods that are you can and cannot eat if you're trying to avoid gluten. What are some of the other ways that gluten can be hiding on an ingredient label? Well, you look for words like vegetable protein or hydrolyzed vegetable protein. Because you wouldn't normally think vegetable protein and be like... Sneaky. Yeah, for sure. Right? And then modified starch or food starch. Mm. Sometimes just artificial and natural flavors can come from barley, things like caramel color. Oh, interesting. I've never thought about some of these things. We've used it. We've heard them so much. Modified food starch, right? Yeah. I've never thought about the that, that collection of words. Right. But it's pretty silly. <laughs> right? Like we've got starch. Right. And where's that starch come from? Food. <laughs> what kind of food? Well, it's modified. Like that's that's absurd. <laughs> How is that an ingredient? That should not be allowed. That's like you might as well just put stuff as an ingredient. <laughs> well, it's even more murky because also just various seasonings and flavorings can contain wheat fillers. Yeah. So in essence, yeah. stay yeah. away from all seasonings and flavors. Uh. Seasoning and flavorings also could be considered modified foodstuffs, <laughs> right? Oh, Travis. how about that? Whoa. What timing? So what? what is... 
That's a question I, of the day time. Oh, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, you know what time it is. Is that a peacock? Question, question of the day. How did you get in there? Question of the day. Question of the day. Wait, what time is it? Oh, I think you know what time That's it is. That's the worst noise ever. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. Haven't heard that one in a while. Haven't heard any of these in a while, <laughs> honestly. Well, okay, then, Michael Chapman, what is the question of the day? Well, the question of the day is, uh, if I'm gluten-free, mm-hmm. what the heck can I eat? <laughs> That's a great question. Seriously. Well, we mentioned... This, is not, uh, this didn't even come in. I just I cued Travis <laughs> to hit the button because I'm freaked, I'm curious now. It's funny. We always tell people what they, can, what they can eat. We should really focus on what you can eat, right? And we talked a little bit earlier about some of the gluten-free whole grains that you can eat, things like brown rice and quinoa, et cetera. Buckwheat. Right? But also think about fruits and vegetables, right? Those have no gluten in them. I forgot about fruits and yeah. vegetables. And, and a lot of just gluten-free proteins like nuts and seeds, red meat, poultry, seafood. Make sure they're not breaded, but you can eat whole proteins like that. So you're talking about fruits, vegetables, whole proteins, meat, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Basically, you could walk around the outside of the grocery store, thousand percent right, and be fairly safe, right? Like things in the dairy, the dairy aisle, milk, butter, cheese, sour cream, cottage cheese. Unless you're dairy free, that's right. And for the most part, you should be okay with those things. Um, I think this is probably a good place to also add um, that. If you have true celiac, mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues that you encounter is not just the fact that you are or are not eating foods that contain gluten, but the contamination issue right. is a big right. time issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the how scrutinous we have to be about whether something has come into contact with other things that have gluten. Because, you know, oats is a classic example, right? Oats are gluten-free, technically. Mm-hmm. But because most of oats are produced in facilities that use machinery around a lot of different types of grains, um, they're totally contaminated with gluten. You cannot consider them gluten-free unless you actually buy gluten-free oats, which is kind of, you know, when you think about it, a little yeah. strange. Right. But that's just owing to the contamination contamination issue and it's probably much more concerning for celiac patients because of the severity of the reaction that they have as compared to non-celiac gluten sensitivity but certainly even a problem if you're just trying to avoid gluten at all so yeah it happens a lot in restaurants too yes if you order something that's gluten-free but it's prepared in the same place where something that contains gluten there's a cross reactivity there I have a story. So Jersey Mike's sub uh-huh. shop, right? And right. they have gluten-free sandwiches. And they actually, they, um, I was in there the other day and somebody said, I want a gluten-free sandwich. Mm-hmm. It was not me. But um, <laughs> they started making it and they started like actually like wiping down um, the, the slicer, Aww. the cutter and like everything. And he was like, no, it's fine. Like it's nice. not a severe reaction. Like you don't have to do all that. And they're like, yes, we do. Wow, good. Yeah. Good and so them. I thought that was super cool that they were like, Took no, this is seriously. our protocol. Right, so right. Um, anyway. So go to Jersey Mike's? Is that what you're saying? I'm hungry. (laughs) Next time on The Lab Report, Dr. Tom McCoy. Founder of the Vital Human Project. Is that the cat? (laughs) I mean, every night, trying to fall asleep. That's what I heard. Terrible. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 
888-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. No, really, it does make my day when I see that people tag us on social media. Oh, yeah. And share our podcast promos and talk about things I learned on the show. I love that. Are you just hoping that by drawing attention to it that you're going to inspire people to tag? and? Well, I'm just saying we can probably just pick someone every episode and call them out and give them a shout out. I mean, we could do that. I just I don't know how many times we need to be talking about my mom or Barb. <laughs> Excellent point. (laughs) Hi, Barb. Happy birthday, Barb. 